more doubt than usual starting to creep in. Yesterday we were jubilant talking about how the Brewers beat the Dodgers. Extra innings. Oh, my God. It was it awesome. Victor Carantini with his uh, the eve of his birthday getting a nice little walk-off. RBI. Oh, my God. And then we called it. Brewers are going to win. And it would give you a little uh, inspiration, a little hope. And then what happened yesterday? Well, the Brewers. Stop me if you've heard this before, boys. Pitching, awesome, hitting, non-existent. Yep. All the time, all day, every day. Always go back to that trade deadline again and say, thank you, because it was staring us in the face, right? How dumb of a fan am I? It wasn't the hitting that was the problem. They had to get more arms. The pitching was the problem. That's why in the trade deadline, they went and got more arms. The, The batting was, the hitting was just fine where it was. We needed more arms. Yep. Duh! And then what do they do? Pitching looks even great because that's what they stocked up on because that was the problem leading in, right? And then the hitting's non-existent. Oh, wait. Actually, that's not what the case was. They sold. They needed a bat. And what did they do? They got arms. They did. I saw that. Boys. And gave up. How much doubt is creeping in now that the Brewers are three games back of the Cardinals, have another game against the Dodgers today at 110? I mean, the doubt's been there since... When did the, the, August first. When did the doubt hit you? Before the season started? No, August first. August first. Yeah. Rowdy. When they and I'm just I'm not I'm talking about winning the NL Central. I'm not talking about winning the World Series. Yeah. Winning the NL Central and getting the playoffs. That would have been the very first game after the Josh Hader trade. So what? August second, the first game against yep. the Pittsburgh Pirates when the team came out and played like they didn't know what was going on. They didn't want to be there. They played like they were playing for South Park Little League. Well, the South Park Little League goes on to win it all. But did they want to? They didn't, but Randy Marsh inspired them over Bat Dad. Bat Dad. I didn't didn't hear no bell. (laughs) The Brewers hear the bell before they even go out there. Randy Marsh. Bing, bing, bing. I didn't hear no bell. The the, the doubt for me also rowdy creeped in once once that week that was after trading away Josh Hader. on paper, you traded away... Your lockdown closer. Obviously, we already knew that the (laughs) bullpen at that time, before all this started happening, was like right along the top 10, top 12, but they hadn't really been healthy. Josh Hader was getting knocked around post having the child, which was what, for probably about three weeks time period? Yeah. But you sent a message saying we're not really going for it. We're trading away our closer. But on paper, you were getting back Taylor Rogers, who was a decent later inning arm. You were getting back Denelson Lamette, who was another guy that was a project but could give you a, a ceiling, and then two prospects. Then you brought in Matt Bush, who is a good arm. Matt F. and Bush. Then you brought in Trevor Rosenthal, who's now been making starts in the mi- or been making appearances in the minor leagues, but that's another guy with some maybe some upside. On the surface, you're like, okay, if Rosenthal can give you something to what he was back in his former self, that was a thumbs up. Well, that's still TBD. Matt Bush should be a solid arm. He's been decent. He hasn't been as good as he was with Texas. Taylor Rogers should give you another decent uh, late inning arm. He has not been good. Yeah, DFA'd Lamette. And let's not forget the reason why you DFA'd Lamette was because you actually... So dumb. Yeah. Well, remember, they actually had... Uh, Oh, I'm blanking on his name. McGee. Yeah, uh, Jake McGee. Jake McGee t- was a guy who they had signed so once stupid. he was DFA'd by the Giants, and he had been working with the Brewers for about two weeks. And they decided, you know what, we're going to let this experiment go for a little bit. We have to DFA Lamette so that we can uh, keep our roster intact. Jake McGee had an ERA around like seven. Then literally like two yeah. days after. They DFA'd Lamette. They DFA'd Lamette. They DFA'd McGee. Hey, it makes sense if you don't think about it. Who's doing okay right now? It makes sense if you don't think about it. Five innings, one run. Yeah, Lamette has looked pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. the The one run he gave up was the uh, losing run to the Cardinals mm-hmm. earlier this week. Much like uh, the year twenty 2020 twenty into twenty twenty one, and even now, I mean, I've had this saying since you know the start of twenty twenty or even the end of twenty nineteen. It makes sense if you don't think about it. Sure does. And that is very applicable for the Milwaukee Brewers and the trade deadline. It makes sense if you don't think about it. Uh, looking at the uh, the projections right here, making the playoffs for the Brewers 53%, winning the division now down to 27%. So I just looked up uh, 
So clearly we know that Josh Hader was the best reliever in that whole package. Yes. Right? Yep. For both sides. Yes. Rodgers has been garbage. He needs another cortisone shot, right? Lamette might just need to has been DFA'd, but he was pre- he's been pretty decent with the Rockies. Rockies. Mm-hmm. Matt Bush, decent. Matt whatever. Bush. Rosenthal pitching in the minor leagues. Well, I just looked up what Jake McGee's doing. He actually, he actually yeah. did. No, he's been picked up oh. by the Washington Nationals. Oh, really? Actually, in three games, he's thrown the ball all right. <laughs> so nobody just wants to be in uh, What is in it? Milwaukee. What is it? And, and this goes no, back to Jackie Bradley Jr. This is a small sample very size small. of three games. But, I mean, he wasn't DFA'd that long ago. Remember when the Brewers, and uh, we vaguely and briefly talked about this, but this just goes back to the Brewers, like, head-scratching. Remember when they got Jackie Bradley Jr. And from the Boston Red Sox, and he came see. here and he just couldn't do his 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 average was like what was his average? Was it below one? It's like one sixty five. Wasn't good. It was terrible. Well, then he went back to the Boston Red Sox, and what did they find out? He needed corrective eye surgery. He had like, a stigma in his, his eye. Stigma in his eye. The stigmatism. They they pulled up the chart like Lou Brown. Here, read these letters. You can't, can you? And what did he do? He got surgery on his stigma. And Try these. And now he can hit oh, the those ball. Look nice. What were the odds of that for him and coming over to the Brewers and be like, I don't know. I can't figure no, it out. I will say David okay, okay, did make that entire thing work as they got out Correct. from under Jackie Bradley Jr. and still turned that into Hunter Renfro, who's clearly better than Jackie Jr. was last year and this year. Oh yeah, we got we got royalty in the house now, boys. Coming up here about Wisconsin Badger Athletics, we got royalty in the house. Let's go! But yes, uh, we'll get to Brian coming up here uh, in a couple of minutes. But yeah, looking at the, the, the Milwaukee Brewers, you're just left scratching your head right now. And boys, we had uh, before the Josh Hader trade, weren't the Brewers? Uh, I think it was over sixty percent of winning the division. They're now down to twenty seven percent. Well, just just remember, at it's one point, right right before Josh Hader was <laughs> traded, not too many days before Josh Hader was traded. They had a four-game lead in the NL Central. Yes. By about a week post that trade, after they had failed mightily and got swept by the Pirates, got beaten in two out of three games against the Reds, Mm -hmm. and continued to just struggle from that point on, Mm -hmm. they were within seven to ten days of having that four-game lead. They were then trailing in the Central. (laughs) And it wasn't just by a game. It was like two or three games. In, they lost like seven games. Yeah. They lost a seven, roughly it, a seven game turnaround it, in like yeah. ten days. Yeah, that's pretty impressively it's, it's, bad. It's pretty remarkable in a not good way. No, you're uh, eighteen days, seventeen days into the month, and yeah, you lost. It was a seven game swing. Will we go back? Like when the, I don't know and, what's going to happen. And, obviously, and the worst part about it is when you were gone, and it was Ben and I, and we were I missed talking. You too. The we. He he had no issues with this, of course, but they had Al- Adam McKelvey came out with uh, some audio talking about how the Brewers elected for rest for the Cardinals series. Oh, yeah. Instead of getting Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta 1-2-3 against the Cardinals, they elected to rest them and give them es- extra days so that they felt more special and maybe they could be better against the Dodgers. <laughs> Guess what? Didn't work you out. lost the effing series to the Cardinals and you're going to lose the effing series to the Dodgers. It didn't help you one bit. Yeah, you came out snake eyes on it. That's for sure. <laughs> and the Cardinals continue to be... They're you know- sissies. They're a bunch of sissies. I'm sick of them. I, I wouldn't... I, I, you know how people used to scream, you know... Uh, uh, pucks for bucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. when the bucks weren't no good. Gla- there's no great rhyming thing, but screw it. You can figure it out. You can figure it out. You can figure it out. There's a way. Thing. If you, Rowdy, if you're that passionate on bringing in a hockey team instead, you can figure out a rhyme. I don't even like hockey. Why would he want it? Well, look, we got a guy Barry Richter on at this time. We love Badger hockey. I was wearing a Badger hockey shirt yesterday. A guy Barry Richter, the man. But yeah, I mean, like I have no allegiances to any professional teams. But look at the Cardinals now, Rowdy. I mean, they let's see here. They beat the Rockies on Tuesday. They beat the Rockies last night five to one. They got the Rockies again today at twelve fifteen. They have the the Cardinals have the easiest schedule here on out, correct? Yes. And the Brewers have a lot of home games, but guess what? Who cares? Whoop de doo. Fans shouldn't even come out. Oh, come on. They're still trying to get uh, top ten attendance. 
Man, this is the defeated attitude right here. The defeated. I just don't mindset. give a, about this season anymore. They they threw the cards on the table and said we fold on August second. Let's see here. Um, they have again a fifty three percent chance of winning the division or making the playoffs. Excuse me, Rowdy. The Brewers. Yep, fifty three percent chance of making the playoffs. A twenty seven percent chance of winning the division. Now the Cardinals have an eighty seven percent chance of making the playoffs and a seventy three percent chance to win the division. Brewers have a little hope. It's, it's 50 50 right now. Just a little. So if you're saying they have a 53% of making the playoffs, that means they would be, you know, a slight favorite to make the playoffs. Yep. I would easily take plus money bet that they don't make the playoffs. <laughs> Easy. Best bet, best bet of August. Take it. Um, Brewers not to make the playoffs plus money. When we look back, if that no, if that's the case, when we look back on the season, will we say it's the trade of Josh Hader that sent them spiraling, spiraling down? Absolutely, is it that is a lead? When and it's, that and it's not even that Josh Hader has been great. It's not even that Josh Hader has been average. He hasn't even been that good. It's just the message you put out there to your team, and on top of that, you actually did nothing to get better. No, you got worse. Because look at what they got in return. They DFA'd your guys. Your best move you made during the trade deadline was acquiring Matt Bush. <laughs> Matt effing Bush. Yeah. He wasn't. If you had Josh Hader, like you had guy. Devin Williams, like you had Brad Boxberger, you try and figure out where uh, Matt Bush fits into that uh, bullpen, he's probably like your sixth inning guy. That's your best move. For a team that was first four, place. Ga- four games ahead of the Cardinals for uh, a first team place that was Central. twelve to one to win the World Series to start the year, and you sold. Wow. This would be Led Zeppelin's "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You." Could uh, actually make this about Rowdy. Say Rowdy says Brewers, I'm gonna leave you. You don't figure it out soon enough. We will now welcome in Robbie Reichel. Rob, I would never leave you, baby. What's going on, Rob Reichel? Forbes.com, Conley Media. What's happening, homie? Uh, I, I, I like that Nelly approach. Let, let, let's leave the Brewers as soon as possible. Leave, leave you in the summertime, <laughs> right? Leave you, leave you when the summer comes a rolling, like the great Robert Plant said. It's, it's summertime, and <laughs> any, anybody still on that Brewer bandwagon needs to get the hell off. Hey, it, Robbie, uh, you can well, find... What, 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 what a train wreck. I'm still on it. Come on. You can find odds out there for the Brewers not to make the playoffs at uh, plus money. I'm very, I'm going through my mind saying, why should I not lay a nice chunk sum down on the Brewers not to make the playoffs at plus money? Well, Nelly, you know, as a longtime fan like you are, I mean, that, that, that's the ultimate win-win, right? Because, you know, if, if they do somehow make it, you're happy on that on that front. And then if they don't, you know, you, you've got a little bit of money in your pocket to, to take Ebo down, down to State Street. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't think we're going to be cut so. dead on State Street, by the way, Rob. We'd have to, we'd have <laughs> well, to go good, somewhere good in the greater point. Stoughton area. <laughs> good point. Yeah, hey, all right. Rob, I mean, let's talk some Green Bay Packers. Well, maybe we'll yes, save sir. a little Brewers at the end here like we always like to do. Nah, you know, let, 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 let's, like, like we said, let's just leave those right, trumps behind. All right, Rob, something, something, and you're there, and you, uh, you're you one of the the journalists that I really like and respect, and, you know, I know when it comes to Rodgers, you're, you're a harsher <laughs> of a critic. I have to ask Rob because I watched, I heard the audio in front of all the reporters. I saw the videos. Uh, I see this Aaron Rodgers bemoans young wide receivers. He's pissed. And then I go and listen to it and read his body language and everything. It sounds like a guy who's just trying to get the rookies on the same page in training camp when you're supposed to get that done. What does Rob Reichel say about this whole story about Rodgers now bemoaning and ranting about these young wide receivers? I think, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. First off, off the bat, Evo. Um, and, and, you know, second, we called this already back in, you know, late April, early May, right? When, when they traded Adams and, and, and they went with three young receivers, rookie receivers in the draft and they had signed Sammy Watkins. I mean, it, we largely knew that, that this was going to be an issue. This was going to be a challenge for Rogers and he, he doesn't always handle it the best in terms of, you know, he's got this unbelievable bar set, you know, for expectations for these guys. And you would have to quote unquote, earn his trust to to play with him, et cetera, et cetera. What, what I felt like that largely was the other day though, Evo was, was Aaron Rodgers telling Matt LaFleur, Hey Matt, this is your depth chart. And he did it through the media, but he said, you know, 
I, I, I trust Sammy Watkins, I trust Alan Lazard, yeah. and I trust Randall Cobb, right? Yep. And and he did it that way. And and guys, I you know I, I keep saying on this show, I you know Dubs has been the star of training camp, at least he was until his couple of pretty bad drops last week in San Francisco, and then he had a he had kind of an up and down week with with some more lows in that scrimmage with the Saints. Uh, you know, Rogers, I think the other day was telling Matt Lafleur. Uh, Romy, and again, through the media, and he told the public. And Aaron's just at a point where he doesn't care anymore, guys. Oh yeah. Um, where, where 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 he told he told his coach, and he you know he told all of Packer Nation largely in that press conference or in that you know group gathering in front of his locker. Um, Romeo Dubs is probably not ready to be a starter on Week One up in Minnesota. I trust <laughs> Sammy Watkins. I trust Randall Cobb. I trust Alan Lazard. And and his message to Matt and everybody on that. You know, inside 1265, there was, you know, if, if you expect us to go up and, and beat Minnesota, we're probably going to do it with veterans. Maybe these young rookies grow up and by week eight, nine, et cetera, you know, th- th- there's a greater trust on the field. But they're certainly not there yet, guys, with with the opener coming in, what, what are we at, two and a half weeks? Yeah, I think, it's coming weeks. up quick, Rob. You know, it, it's coming quick, right. We've got uh, it's Nelson's birthday that day, Mr. Vikings. Outstanding. What a what a wonderful start. What a little so, treat. No, I, you know, I, I, again, I, it's. I don't have a great deal with with anything Aaron said the other day. The only the only <clears throat> rebuttal I would have to him is he knew this was coming. I mean he's he he's gone through this in the past with with what James Jones and and Jordy Nelson and and Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams and, and various you know high draft picks that they've had second and third round guys where he knows this takes you know two or three years. Jordy Nelson didn't have his big breakout year till year three, and he even had three drops that season in the Super Bowl guys. So, you know, Rodgers knew this was going to be, you know, an issue. And, and he's the one guys who largely elected to skip OTAs and minicamp. I mean, he practiced one day with these guys in June. Um, and if Aaron was that concerned about all this, that, you know, the, then, then he probably should have been there a lot more in the off season, because I think we all knew this was going to happen. We knew it was coming. And, and guys, I've told you this on the show for, for two or three months that they're going to struggle the first four to six to eight weeks of, of the season on offense. This is going to be a work in progress. They, they could be, you know, a really high functioning, terrific offense by the time we get to the playoffs. But, but guys, I think there's going to be some real bumps and some learning curves the first two months of the season. Well, Robbie, they're talking about, you know, Alan Lazard getting 50, 60 catches or whatever. Who else could get that? And Aaron Rodgers pointed to the backfield of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And I remember uh, when Devontae Adams went down, what, two years ago? Aaron Jones, for a four-game stretch, absolutely went unconscious and carried the team. Would it be unrealistic to think that we see a lot more out of the backfield for this uh, this offense for the Packers? Well, it, it, no, it's not. And, and 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 if they want to win football games, guys, this year, obviously they do. I I think their model to do it is is ball control, run it fifty percent of the time, and use the backs a ton out of out of the backfield and keep that defense largely rested. And that defense should be a terror. If they're only on the field, you know, 27, 28, you know, under 30 minutes a game, if, if, if they have to, you know, if they have to play 35 minutes, it becomes a, a lot trickier because fatigue crack creeps in at the end. But, you know, back to Jones and Dylan for a second. Yeah. It, it, it's funny, Evo. I, I was talking to Aaron Jones about that yesterday, and someone said to him, you know, Rogers, Rogers said you can get 50 catches. And, it, and I said to him, Aaron, I, I said, you know, Devontae had 170 targets last year. Um, I said, those have to go somewhere. I, I, I said, I said, it's only four a game to get you to 68. And he goes, I know he goes, I, he said 70 is not unrealistic whatsoever. Oof. You know, he, he, he took it up from 50 to 70. And I, I think that's very fair. Um, you know, I no, I, I mean, I, I really do. Again, there were, there were 10 balls a game going to Devonte Adams guys and they, and they have to go somewhere. And I think, I think two or three of those are going to go to Aaron Jones and one or two might go to AJ Dillon. And then, and then it's spread out uh, around, you know, to the rest of this, you know, media, let's call it a mediocre pass receiving group that I think they're going to, going to start the season with. But both of these backs to your question, Evo have terrific hands. I mean, AJ Dillon's kind of the surprise in all this. We always knew Aaron Jones could catch. I just, I think it's going to be 1980s, early 1990s, you know, West coast, San Francisco, 49er offense where, where you see a Roger Craig catch the ball a hundred times out of the backfield, and and this year's Roger Craig is is going to be Aaron Jones, where where he's going to get seventy or eighty catches. I keep telling everybody, if you're in a PPR fantasy league, grab this guy early because he's going to catch a hell of a lot of footballs, guys, and he's going to run the ball. And 
Um, you know, Dylan may end up wide, you know, winding up as their leading rusher guys, much like he did last year. He only beat Jones by four yards, but he did beat him, and, and it could grow this year. But Aaron Jones is going to be a, a, an incredible weapon out of the backfield. Dylan will as well, guys, but, you know, 50 on him might be a little high. The bar there is high, but, you know, when, when you add up what Roger said the other day, at least 100 between the two guys, I think it'll end up there and probably even higher, guys. You know what former Packer Rob is probably kicking himself, saying, dang, I wish I would have came along 20 years later? William Henderson. <laughs> William Henderson? No, absolutely. You know, Dorsey, think of the balls. Dorsey Levins could catch in this. You know, this offense. Right. Edgar, Edgar Bennett was a ridiculously good pass catcher. Jeff Query. I, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, good old good old Jeff Query and Travis Jervy, right? Yeah, what a what a what a, what a pair. Um, mm, but Jeff but, Janis you know, coming I mean, back. Janice, you can bring him back, and, and good old Abaderis, um, right? Uh, all, all your old favorites, but uh, no, it, it, I mean, if again, guys, you know, for for this offense to operate at, at, at a high level, they're going to need these backs to both have outstanding years, really be healthy, and um, you know, I think the offense, if if, if Rogers allows it, okay, again, that that's the key to everything. What does Rogers allow? How, how many times does he come to the line of scrimmage and change plays? That's an answer we are never going to know and probably never find out until Mike McCarthy or Matt LaFleur writes their own book, right? And and tells us 37% of the time that, that friggin' Rodgers was changing my play or whatever, and they're grudging, you know, they're bemoaning that fact. But if Rodgers allows the offense to roll the way I think LaFleur wants it to, which is going to be dominant through the backfield, and then you pick and choose, you know, in terms of your downfield targets, I think the offense can still operate at a high level. You know, Aaron Jones told me yesterday his goal is to, is, is to still have an offense that that finishes higher mm. than the defense does in, in most of these overall rankings, guys. You know, points per game, yards per game, et cetera, et cetera, all the statistical categories that matter to us. Um, you know, he, he said, to, yeah, he, he said to me, we, we, we've got a top three, a top five defense. He goes, but I, I think we can still beat them on offense when it's all said and done. And he's not wrong there, guys. They're just going to have to do it in a much different manner than looking for Devontae Adams every time, you know, Aaron Rodgers drops back to pass. Do you think if A.J. Dillon wasn't on this roster and the rest of the roster is as is, do you think that Aaron Jones, when you're talking about fantasy and even more than fantasy, but being a real playmaker for the Packers, could have been more of like a Christian McCaffrey, 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving? Well, obviously, yes. I mean, because his his Like, those are huge numbers. And his carries would go up. But but keep in mind, you know, you saw that... you know, the, the, you saw that with Jones the first couple of years that he played in the McCarthy offense. Injuries were always an issue. They have kind of found out with Jones, and, and, and he's bigger and stronger, and he's, you know, he's in, he's in better shape when, than when he first arrived, guys. But at the end of the day, you know, Aaron Jones is still only about 5'9", 205. He's not, he's not a, a, a big, bruising kind of back that you want to give 320 carries to in a season that you want to throw the ball 80 or 90 times. I, I, I think they've got the perfect setup right now, you know, in, in, in terms of, you know, what do you call it? Thunder and lightning or, you know, boom and crash or whatever, whatever <laughs> nickname you want to give them. Right. You've got, you, 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 you've got the beast, the power guy, right. With, with, with Dylan and, and shockingly his hands are ridiculously good where there's, there's no issues in terms of throwing the ball. They're both outstanding in pass pro where you can play them on third down and feel okay about them and blocking for Aaron Rodgers, And, you know, to, to keep Aaron Jones healthy, uh, Nelly, I, I do think the best path is give him 12 to 15 carries a game most of the year, throw him the ball six, seven, eight times a game, kind of do the exact same thing with Dylan. Get yourself to January, and if, if, if there's a matchup you like in a game against, you know, whatever it is, the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Cardinals, whoever, you know, that then you feature one of those backs. But I, I think Green Bay's got the perfect situation right now, and in, in, in terms of having power, you know, in, in Dylan and, and, and then, you know, a guy like Jones who can take it to the house anytime you give it to him. And then it's such okay. a dynamic threat, and a dynamic list. threat in the pass game. Right. Oh, Rob, I absolutely love it, dude. One last question for you before I let you go. One statement and one question. I want to back it yes, up sir. two questions ago. You said once Mike McCarthy writes his book, Mike McCarthy doesn't need to write a book, Robbie. I know <laughs> there is this book, Mike McCarthy nobody's underdog written by Rob Reichel. The book is already out, Robbie. We don't need another Big Mike book. We got the Big Mike book. 
Nobody's underdog by Rob Reichel. That well, we, well, we everyone's have, Christmas well, tree. Well, we, well, we do have 10 more years of, of Mike McCarthy's stories, you know, for the next time he does write his book. And, 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 and since that, since, since my book did come out in, in the early, whatever that was, 20, Rob, he's got a five out of five on Amazon. Well, I appreciate whoever my one my one fault. My, mo- my, nice. my mother was very nice. My mother was my mother was very nice. Evo and my mom. Yeah. <laughs> also, my brother, who was once head of the Mike McCarthy fan club. And Rob, before I let you go, uh, preseason game number two tomorrow night, seven o'clock, Lambeau against the Saints. What do we expect to see with uh, the eyes of Rob Reichel? Well, what do you want to see? You know, it, no, I mean you want you want to see continued development and growth, obviously from Love. I mean, I'll, I'll say I'll tell you this, Evo. You know, for the average fan far and away that the better use of their time was, was to go over to a practice on Tuesday and Wednesday when these you know, the Packers and Saints were getting after it with their ones. I mean, that was, that was a lot of fun. And, and I hope that continues. I think it will. Matt LaFleur loves bringing in another team to scrimmage with every summer. And I, I highly encourage that for your, for your listeners and your fans, Evo around Madison, take a day off of work and go over there on a Tuesday and, and watch these practices, the ones against ones. It's really fun stuff. You know, you'll be watching again, primarily second and third teamers tomorrow night. So it'll be a little anticlimactic, I think, Evo, for for some of the people who got to watch the practices the the, the last couple of days. But but again, I, I thought Love was really good last week out in San Francisco. The, the the stat line, the box score, the three picks were not even close to indicative of how well uh, that that kid played. And you know, and I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting and encouraging. You know that Rogers. Um, you know, backed him the other day, and, and you know, much like Matt Lafleur did, and said those three picks were not his fault. And you know, one one's obviously on Dubs, one's on one's one's on Tyler Davis, and and one's probably on Jordan Love. Even though Amari Rogers ran the wrong route, Love shouldn't have thrown the one ball into into tight coverage there. But overall, guys, I thought Love was really good. He's really that. You know, we we can sit here and talk about depth in the secondary and how the offensive line's coming along and all that kind of stuff. And they're all they're all real issues, guys. But the real story of this summer outside the number one comes down to Jordan Love. They're trying to get a feel if he can be the guy long term. They're trying to get a feel if they, you know, want to pick up that fifth year option here in in the off season. And and guys, let's let's be honest. If Jordan Love has a big summer and he's forced into playing a little bit this year and he does well, his people are going to be screaming for a trade this off season if Aaron comes back. So there's a lot of levels to this Jordan yep. Love story. That that I, I think it. is the most intriguing thing, guys. So I have a very, very quick question for you. We had a caller earlier today. He asked me a question. He goes, who do you think is better, Kellen Mond for the Vikings or Jordan Love for the Packers? And I had a very simple, quick answer for him. Rob, who do you think is better? Uh, Nelly, I think Jordan Love right now could start for eight teams in the league. And I, and I, think, and I think a year from now it could be 15. The, the, kid, the kid is on the, uptri- on the uptick. I you know, they're trying to get a gauge internally. Can he be the guy yep. long term? It, it's not. It's not even close. So, yeah, to answer your question, Nelly, I think Jordan. I think Jordan Love's on the rise. Rob, I agree with you. I think he could start for a few teams, and I think Kellen Mond would be cut by quite a few teams. Rob, I'll leave you with this, buddy. And I quote from Amazon: five out of five stars. The subject: a must. The body: all true cheeseheads will appreciate this book. So will regular football fans. I believe McCarthy's one of the greatest coaches in our team's long and storied history. Go pick up Nobody's Underdog, Mike McCarthy's story. Well, Evo, I appreciate that beautiful review you uh, spent spent one of your afternoons <laughs> typing in for me. That's it wasn't me. I can, it wasn't me, Rob. It was Patrick P-E-I-N. Patrick Peen. Pine? Peen? Well, I, I think I'm going to have to uh, look up Patrick. And we'll, we'll have to have a barbecue. <laughs> hey, Robbie, we love you. We'll follow along. Rob Reichel on Twitter. And you're just, you're just the man, dude. Forbes.com, come right, to me, We love you, Rob. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Hey, go Brewers. See you, Rob. Wasn't too much uh, sliding down Bernie Brewer's slide last night for the Milwaukee Brewers. It was what just Yelly singling the left to score Tyrone Taylor. That was it. Brewers fall 2-1. to one. A Nice little pitching performance from Eric Lauer. Went, what, seven innings? Yeah, outside of Seven that, strikeouts, uh, two earned runs, four hits. Outside of that first inning where he had those couple walks and the Dodgers had first and third with nobody out and Freddie Freeman and everyone coming up, thought that this might get ugly real quick at the beginning of the first inning. Yeah. Got out of it, and yeah, other than that, what, it was a couple solo shots? Yep, that's it. Eric Lauer pitched a lot better than I actually thought he would. He was once dubbed the Dodger killer, right? Kind of turned back the hands of time.
Yes, he was he was the Dodger killer because if you remember before he was a Milwaukee Brewer, he was actually a San Diego Padre. Yep. And he was a very young starter for the Padres. Actually made one opening day start for the Padres in twenty nineteen. But yeah, he had been very successful against the Los Angeles Dodgers pre uh twenty twenty. Yep. Then the trade was made. We know he struggled. And in twenty twenty one the Dodgers touched him up a little bit in the start that he made against them. But yeah, the the one thing and the reason why we faded Lauer and the the Brewers on the Razor's Edge last uh, yesterday was because this Dodgers team has acquired players like Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, all these I mean, MVP caliber type players that he necessarily hasn't pitched against consistently like when he was the Dodger stopper. But hey, it was a good start from Eric Lauer. He did everything in his power to give them an opportunity to win the game. The offense is just clearly non-existent. Yeah, they're, they're, they're loaded. Now... Real quick, I want to get to this. Is this Bernie Brewer slide claims have claimed two victims this year, believe it or not. And this was just a last week. Oh, here's the first clip from uh, the Dodgers series again. David Vassay has been talking for three days about going down the slide here in Milwaukee. I've never this. heard somebody so excited about doing anything. Dead David did comedy. do it today. Yeah, he did it and he regrets it, I think. Watch. All right, here we go. Kind of a... Holy crap! Holy crap! Holy crap! And right there, he broke his arm. He broke his arm. Strike on Muncy. Oh, no. He's writhing okay. around in pain on the ground. First, I want to report that he's okay. Full cast. Okay. Dave. Dave. Hi, guys. How do you... Uh, is that like... Do you get workers comp from that then? Like, how does that... How does that work? But Rowdy, set this up now. This next clip... Bernie Brewer slide claimed another victim earlier this year. It wasn't in a broken arm, though. The lady almost broke her nose as she <laughs> face planted into the little uh, padded wall that stops you. Can you set the clip Yeah, up? so Trisha Whitaker is a sideline reporter slash like broadcaster for the Tampa Bay Rays. She also does hits on MLB Network, and she was the sideline reporter for last week's uh, couple games on Apple TV and then the Rays series. Yeah. So during the race series, she went down Bernie Brewer's slide and, you know, it goes kind of quick. Like the guy previously was yeah. like, oh, this is kind of fast. Oh, oh. And she kind of got turned sideways. And when she came down the slide was turned sideways and smoked her face into the pad. <laughs> And there you could hear it. There's the face plant. Ah! <laughs> Come on, you really missed out. <laughs> have we never have we never gone on a slide before? Like, I don't know if has there been so many injuries going down Bernie Brewer's slide in a short time span. Uh, we we have a broken arm and a face plant and a face plant with maybe a little bit of a bruised ego. Yeah, almost a broken nose within about a two week time period. How does Bernie survive every time? Well, well, that's why he's in the the. They didn't have to do it last the night. mascot get up. He's in the costume. They probably have added protection in there. <laughs> uh, where do the Brewers sit right now for home runs in the league? Uh, I would love to go check that out for the research department. Uh, Rowdy, speaking of home runs and hitting the ball, I found this very intriguing. Uh, so did you. In fact, you got angry over it, which. I mean, more angry than you are happy. World's angriest man. RJ also was like rails an eyebrow over this. Who's one player for the Milwaukee Brewers that we've always wanted to see uh, have a little more time in the sun because we want to see him succeed because he's pretty good when he plays. And I want to give the backstory because it's Keston Hero. Yeah, it's Keston Hero. It's Kest Daddy. And I know I've said this a lot, but it's something that needs to be known so you understand the entire situation of Keston Hero and the Milwaukee Brewers. Keston Hero was a center fielder in college. He played outfield. He did not profile as a center fielder in college. Probably more or less a corner outfielder. Didn't have he didn't have the arm of a center fielder. It was probably more likely a left fielder. But towards the end of his college career, he started developing an elbow issue. They moved him to second base slash DH because of the elbow issue. They thought when he was coming out that he might need to have Tommy John, which is very hate you, Tommy John. Very strange for a position player that doesn't pitch. Yeah. Now he 
the reason why he fell to the Brewers, I believe it was at number 10, was because when you think about it, at that time in 2017, there was no universal DH. So only half of the teams, if they thought he was going to be only a DH-type player, would be interested in drafting him, right? Like NL teams probably won't want to take a look because if he can only DH, then that's not much value on their team. Mm -hmm. He fell to the Brewers. He was a guy profiled, like I said, not in center field, but a corner outfield. But if he did have these issues, he still had the most major league ready best bat in this draft for all of the college players, for all of the high school players. He was by far the most major league ready bat. So the Brewers took a chance on him. They said, hey, we'll figure something out with the uh, defense. Maybe it'll be second base. Maybe if the elbow is good, maybe he can play corner outfield, but we'll try him at second base, first base, whatever. Yes. He got the shot in his elbow, and that ended up working. He never needed any surgery, never had anything. Well, he went directly to the minor leagues in 2017 after being drafted and completely raked in the minor leagues. Then in 2018, because, you know, when you get drafted in June, you're really only playing about a month worth of minor league ball. Yeah. Then in 2018, he completely raked in the minor leagues. Crushing. Crushing. All the way up through. Double A, triple A, just crushing. 2019 rolls around, and if you remember in 2018, the Milwaukee Brewers acquired Moustakis a couple weeks before the deadline. Uh, Shaw was really, really good. Travis Shaw, that is. And they kind of had second and, and third base locked down. Yeah. Well, then in 2019, same two guys came back as they re-signed Moustakis to a one-year deal. Shaw was still currently under contract. And Keston here is just raking in AAA. Dominating. Well, if you remember, Travis Shaw all of a sudden could not hit a baseball couldn't, couldn't in 2019. Yeah. And then after a while, they like almost had one of those phantom injuries where Travis Shaw now go work on your mental How about you take two weeks on the IL and maybe it's, yeah, it's not really a, whatever issue they claimed it was. It was a a mental issue. We're going to give Keston here some run. He's killing it. We can't keep this guy in triple a anymore. And what did Kestaddy do? He came up and was absolutely on fire. He carried the team for like two weeks. Yeah. He he was when Christian Yelich wasn't Keston hero was. Yep. And all of a sudden that IL stint was up. And if you remember, they went with Travis Shaw, the veteran and brought Keston Hira back down. So dumb. He continued to rake in triple a while Travis Shaw continued to struggle. Then at finally we had our June game where we went to the, and you wrote the, the Brewers. I had the Stearns, Stearns on, notice. on notice free Keston Hira. And that night, as we were driving back from the game, we got a notification saying Keston here had been recalled. Because David Stearns was looking in the stands and saw the sign, more evidence, everyone listens and follows the show. Keston here played really good baseball for the latter part of that season when he was given the opportunity. Just crushed. 2020 comes around. We're anticipating a huge rebound from Christian Yelich, who's coming off the kneecap injury, and Keston Hira, who's going to be having his first, I guess you would consider it, full season, even though it was 60 games. Mm -hmm. And those were supposed to be number three, number four in the order. Now, did they start to notice in 2019-2020 that Keston Hira had a few holes in his swing? Yes, Low and away, he struggles with. Up and in, he struggles with. Did they know that he struck out at a decently high rate? Yes. Yes, that was already known when he was coming out of college. Well known, well documented. 2020, he struggles. His mom has cancer. He was No, no, that was 2021. But 2020, he struggled. He didn't hit for that high average like he did, but he was still productive. Kind of like You give him opportunities, and he would crush the ball. He was still hitting home runs and and batting in runs, but he wasn't quite hitting for that average. 2021 rolls around. There's a lot of question marks about his... um, Second base ability. I don't. I never He's thought never he was a baser. second baseman. Yeah. They try him at first base. So now you have a guy who has a little bit of struggles in 2020. You're telling him to learn first base, which he's never played before, and he's short for the position. And his mom has really bad breast cancer, yep. and that's in the back of his mind. And, and, he's, struggled, he's, and he's struggled. He's trying to deal with. They now have found that he's got a couple holes in his swing. Yep. That was just, and then he wasn't getting regular playing. No, he's bouncing up and down. Triple A. Horrible, horrible 2021 season. 
You bring back Rowdy Telez. You think that you're probably going to have Keston here and him be somewhat of a platoon. Well, Rowdy Telez steals the show, right? Right. Yeah, out Rowdy, of the, Rowdy's crushing it. And, what nine RBIs one game since a Brewers record? And in April he came out just swatting the baseball. Yeah, Rowdy was killing he, it. He won the job. No yeah, matter. Like, no doubt. No, 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 no doubt about and that. And his defense either. was better at first base. But if you really wanted to give Keston Hira a legit shot. He is a corner outfielder or a DH, but if you look at the roster, you can't move Christian Yelich out of left field because of the anchor that that contract is. Yes, He's clearly not so, better than Hunter Renfro when it comes to an arm in right field. He can't play center field. So he's you're kind of stuck there where he's got to be a rotational outfielder if you're going to play him behind uh, Yelich yeah, and, yep. and Renfro. He's a DH, though, and there's no reason not to DH him. He's one of the best hitters in the majors against righties. Not that good against lefties, but against righties. And every time, hell, he had a home run off of a lefty earlier this season. And he's been a guy his entire career since 2019. He's had reverse splits, which means he's better as a right-handed hitter against right-handed pitching, and he crushes it. Yeah. Now, his left-handed pitching production has gotten worse over the time, but yet they continue to throw. When they've given him opportunities at times this year. He's crushed it. It's been against lefties, which is weird, too. Yeah, agreed, but when you give him opportunities, he actually does well. Had a hit last night. He had two hits last night. He had two He had two of the Brewers' four hits last night. And then after the game, I'll get to the phone calls coming up. After the game, Craig Council was asked about it all. And Keston Hira, who, when given opportunities, has done well for the Brewers and been a reason why they've won games. This is an Adam McKelvey tweet. Uh, from the an attempt was made department, here is Craig Council's answers to quote why at bats have been limited to Keston Hira, in spite of having one of the best slash lines against in, in eighty four big eighty four big league plate appearances against right hand pitching this season. Question: Is it tricky to find where to get at bats for here at this time? Answer from Craig: We're going to try to put out a team to win the game every night. That's the best way to say it. I don't feel like we're in a spot right now where we're trying to get somebody at bats. We're trying to put a team out there to win games. Question. There, that might surprise some people watching because they say his numbers against righties and they think, hey, he might be a guy you want to get at bats against righties. Craig says, I think there's a case for that. The next question. Are potential limitations a factor? Craig says, you could say that, yeah. I think defense plays into our lineup decisions, yeah. A universal DH for you. He can DH when he doesn't play corner outfield for Yelich and Hunter Renfro at spells when they need to get off their feet. It's clearly better for Andrew McCutcheon to be in center field where he actually has played there and instead of using Jonathan Davis, Not a the guy corn that's singer. a triple A player, oh, he plays a little bit better defense. Guess what? Christian Yelich plays god-awful defense. Yeah. Hunter Renfro does not have the range, but he's got the cannon. Just throw him freaking out there. Let old McCutcheon play center. Let him DH. You don't have a good defense. At least try and hit the ball because we know you're already predicated. And you can't hit the ball. You don't hit the ball. The long ball. Christian, or, Christian here has one of the best slash lines against righties. They never... Let him bat against righties. When he gets it's run, they always have, because Rowdy struggles against lefties too. I think he's batting a little over 200, but against yeah. righties, he's ba- or he's batting like 280. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. If someone's really good at what they do, wouldn't you put it out there to let them do what they do? The position thing is absolute BS from Craig Council because you have a DH available to you. So you, This isn't 2019. The next question is, does swing and miss come into factor into the lineup decisions here? Because he's, he's got like a big K rate. Keston here does. And Craig says, not necessarily, no. I think the overall offensive picture does, yeah. If the overall offensive picture comes into play, then why wouldn't you play Keston here, who's one of the best against righties in the majors, more? But, and, Why'd and you free him? At least he didn't lie and say, oh, yeah, the K thing is an issue. Yeah. Because you still bet Willie Adam is second, and he's batting 220-something, uh, and he strikes out all the time. It's like looking at this, do you really think you're getting more production and a better team on the field when you have, say, McCutcheon in DH and Jonathan Davis in center, or when you have McCutcheon in center and you have Hira 
in, in, in the is free Hira. If if Keston Hira got consistent at bats, even with the holes in his swing and the in the K rate, which it's not like Rowdy Telez doesn't strike out. Right. It's not like uh, Hunter Renfro doesn't strike out. It's not like uh, Willie Adamas doesn't strike out. Because guess what? Play they him. all freaking strike out. Play him. He's giving you a better. If you played him an entire season. And he got roughly 600 at bats. This would be a guy that would still hit 35 home yeah. runs, would still be productive. And yeah, he might only bat 250. But guess what? Jonathan Davis is batting less than that. <laughs> yeah, his defense is a little better, but he can't hit worth the crap. Kesson here had two of the Brewers' four hits last night. You're not a good defensive team this year, even though on paper you should be better. You've got to go all in and and at least if you're gonna sick if double you're play going last say, night from Colton Wong. If you're going to say, hey. We're a team that rely on the long ball and we have to hit home runs to do it. Why are you not playing a guy that hits home runs? Your defense already sucks. Yeah. Uh, Rob Reichel coming up and talk some Packers really quick though. Line one. Good morning. Thanks for waiting. Who's this? Uh, this is uh, Mark hey, Pete. from Monona. <laughs> hey, Pete, what's going uh, on? Uh, okay, well, first I want to give uh, credit where it's due. You know that they say uh, a, <laughs> a broken clock is, is right twice a day. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, <clears throat> a... Uh, a, a blind call-in uh, uh, troll is at least uh, right <laughs> once a year because he told Grant Mills that, uh, you know, I mean, he, he really went off on uh, uh, Chris at, at UW. And, and, you know, I got to say, right on, uh, Dave. Whoa! Persona, you, you, you just gave you know, Dave us credit, Pete? Yeah, it, well, I always give it. No, I will give it where it's due. Okay. I've given him credit okay. before. That's true, where that's I, true. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't have this persona where this phony persona <laughs> where I have to, you know, always be, be a troll. Yeah. No. And, and, and I agree with him. I mean, he, he was right on, on point there. And, <laughs> and then more kudos to, uh, Nelson and, uh, Grant Mills are my heroes because what? they're the type of they're the type of uh uh fans that people ought to be if the team stinks then you you know don't don't say that oh someday my prince will come i mean you're not a middle school girl who's go, who's getting flattery from you know uh, a high school junior you know so good keep it up that's the that's what a true fan Hell is yeah pete and uh, you're my hero. You you became my hero, Ebo, after you posted those pictures from Las Vegas. Oh, oh thank you. Different, different that, heroes. That, that's when you you. you 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 are you. you are my permanent hero. But you know, you, I think people ought to give credit where it's due. And 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 see, that's a, <laughs> there's not enough of that on on uh, you know talk radio or talk TV. Everybody's gotta you know be with their 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 side. Their well, we team. try to and do never, it a little different here, Pete. You know, yeah, Pete, doesn't they, it just get obnoxious and like nauseating to hear them say? the same type of excuses and it's like nothing changes well yeah, that, that's true and 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 uh, you know i mean i'm going to the game today and i you know and i'm going to go see him play the yankees but you know from now on i mean i'm not gonna you know i i'm just going to go to see you know the, the other team so i'm looking forward to seeing baltimore and seattle next year i hope they play in miller park but i'm not going to see them they're god awfully boring i mean really <laughs> it's tough really, pete Huh? It's tough. It is boring. Okay, take it no, easy. No, no, no. You got you continue. I was agreeing with you. It's, it's boring oh, to no, watch. No, no, I wasn't. No, I, I figure you have to go commercial. Oh, I just uh, got the Foo Fighters My Hero on for you. You inspired oh, me. Oh, okay. Well, like I said, I mean, you guys are you guys are the way. Uh, 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 Oh, I'm, I'm stuttering. That, that's, so that's Dave fine. will call in. You guys are, are 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 the way fans ought to be. You just can't, you know. You just can't look up like like I I, I have a uh, a neighbor's dog here who's uh, you know looking up at me with adoring eyes. You can't you can't be that way because I don't take anything that you say seriously after that. Oh, one more thing. Yeah. Keston Hira is the type of player that if he was in another organization, the Brewers would pick up. Because he had a lot of potential, and they figure in a new environment, you know, if if they brought him under, you know, a new set of uh, uh, new environment, he'd hit for him. So I figure after they let him go, you know, in six years' time, he'll be back because he'll still be making, you know, under a million dollars, and he'll be the quintessential Brewer player. <laughs> Pete, I love you too, buddy. Good stuff. Yeah. You're my, Pete, you're my hero too. See you, buddy. Right on. The See you later. <laughs> Getting a little crisper. Don't have to have the AC on. 
Except we still it. have it on in here. It's, it's always, chilly. It's in always the cold in here. In fact, yesterday for a relief pitcher, we had a fall beer. It had uh, you know the uh, the foliage, the leaves, the uh, coming off the tree on it. That means that football season. Oh, it's here, and right here with us. Speaking of football season, our guy Mike Clemens. Mike, what's up, dude? How are you? More conversation out of Green Bay about the. Wide receivers, right? I mean, everybody's talking about it nationally. All right, well, that's the big story that uh, I saw front page of the Four Letter Network. Rogers bemoans the young wide receivers. I was like, okay, that's an interesting choice of words. Bemoans. Mike, you were there. Was he bemoaning the wide receivers? Uh, I'm trying to be as uh, accurate about this as possible. There are years in the past where I can't. Uh, can I use the B word on this show? Yes, please. I'll turn it up a little bit. He's he's been a bitch. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he just had Mike, it. I don't think I've ever heard you with that vernacular. I love it. That, that's nice, Mike. Let it all out. Why do I think I just created a drop-in for this show? <laughs> well, the, the, my mind did go there, Mike. For, yeah. But for you, for you, Mike, I'll leave it off a drop, unless you give it the uh, green light. But, no, I'm standing right there. I mean, the guy just came off a weekend of watching the 49ers tape of that game. And then he just comes off of the first of a two-day joint practice against the Saints, and he's frustrated. I mean, he's like, where are these guys? We just talked about this in Sunday's meeting when we went over the tape. What, you know? And so that's when, when he's asked, it's not like he brought it up, when he's asked, you know, hey, how's it looking? That's when he, you know, expresses his frustrations. And, like, th- these guys are not close to where they need to be. Now, again, like I said the other day, one thing that people might throw into this equation is like, well, if you're talking about chemistry and timing and where you think these guys need to be, uh, and I even asked him, Do you, have you got problems with coaching? And he said, no, no, I, the coaches are fine. And I, I said, do you go down the hallway and dip into where the, where the rookie receivers are in their wide receiver meeting to, to, to clarify what went wrong, what he saw in the game Friday night, or what's going on with that particular series of plays? And he says, yeah. He says, but, you know, I, I, you know, he has to walk the fine line and not getting in their way. But it's just it's what the understanding how much harder you have to work and study and ask questions and try things as, a, as these rookie receivers because they're needed. So then, you know, Randall Cobb is his guy in that room to bring up the questions. After, the, you know, the, the quarter, the, after Jason Vrabel talks about his techniques and things that they're watching on film, and Cobb is supposed to step up. So Cobby was asked after yesterday's practice, which went a little bit better for the Packers' offense, you know, is what Aaron Rodgers said on Tuesday, are those kinds of statements going to change things in the wide receivers' meeting room? What do you mean? <laughs> There's only one goal. Okay. You know, there's only one goal, and that's, that's to bring a championship back here. And we're going to need those guys. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to be uh, uh, going to play a huge role in what we're trying to accomplish this season. And we have to make sure that they're up to speed. And, um, you know, I think at this point, the, the comments that he made yesterday was just about the urgency. There has to be an urgency in uh, what you're doing and, and, and getting up to speed uh, to get to where we're trying to go. I hope they play a foreigner's urgent at practice coming up here today, Mike. Big fan. Roddy had, Roddy had a question, I'll, I'll, though. Yeah, I'll so tell, yeah, tell, tell DJ tell, Joe to throw yeah, that in. Foreigner's play. urgent. Great hit. Yeah. Well, Mike, Roger plays head games. It kind of sparks something that I kind of just thought of hearing you talk and then some of the clips and what we know with Aaron Rodgers. And we know in the past with some of the lesser receivers that he's had, he's shown obviously frustration it's been the ripping of the chin strap it's been chewing out players it's been disagreeing or screaming with coaches and receivers I don't know if it's say like his his new cleanses or some of his new routines or something like that but something has changed a little bit since Matt LaFleur because he does seem like he's a little bit more personable with some of the receivers and now I feel like this year it's probably the best or respectful he's been about it with the receivers going about it saying, Hey, we're coming in. We're going to have this little conference call. We're going to talk it out. We're going to figure things out. Now, my question is, could it be this new Aaron Rodgers with the new things he's doing in his life? Or is it the fact that maybe he has gotten a little bit more say in who they draft? And he liked Christian Watson. He liked the Romeo Dobbs and it's, him realizing these are the guys that I talked about that maybe I wanted. These are some of the guys I liked. Now they're not performing. Now I got to help them along because this is part of my uh, decision with Goody that we like these guys. 
So they're, so they're our guys, if that makes sense. Because he always was like, I would just like to talk about player personnel. Well, Aaron Rodgers has been on a team that gets to the playoffs every year. And there's been breakdowns in, on defense and in special teams that led to them not getting to a Super Bowl. And there's been times where his performance was not his best. And then he spends an offseason and he hears the criticism. And then he sees moves like, you know, years ago, Jordy Nelson cut one year too early in Aaron Rodgers' estimation. And then finally that all came to a head last year when he just said, you know, maybe I'm not coming back. And if I do, things are going to change. The culture is going to change the way you treat players and all that. So, And then, you know, a new coach that he feels that's on it yeah. and got a new voice and hasn't lost the locker room. But Aaron Rodgers is always trying to change himself. He's always trying to improve. Not a, and he looks great. I, was, I mean, I was watching him yesterday. It's like, no way Brett would look that good three weeks into camp like this guy. I mean, Aaron looks five, six years younger than Brett did at that stage of his career. Now, here's another guy who's looking better, Rowdy, and that's Sammy Watkins, 29 years old, you know, four or five different teams, a Super Bowl team. But he's had his fair share of drops, and, like, he just, you know, came in. Oh, by the way, he wasn't at all. I didn't see him at a lot of OTAs, although Mm -hmm. they said that he was at some of the ones that the media was not allowed in. But all of a sudden, the lights come on this week, you know, on joint practice, and he's been looking great against the Saints. And so Sammy Watkins was asked after practice yesterday, after making another couple of tremendous plays and catches, why is he doing better this week against the Saints? Um, honestly, I think in the heat of the battle, I think that's why I get better at when things get crunchy, when things on the line, um, when things matter, when things matter. Um, meaning we're going against the Saints. Like that's arguably the top five defense. I think if we go out there and make a ton of plays, I'm not thinking. I'm just making plays rather than running, thinking like, am I right? Am I wrong? Am I seeing this? Am I seeing that? There was a ball today. You're coming off the right side. I think it's like a skinny post. You're over the middle. But Rodgers is throwing the fastball, and like Coach Vrabel has said, there's that pluck. I mean, you just pulled that thing. Does that make you feel like you're there in sync with 12? Um, I think, yeah, we definitely in sync. Just being by his um, his level of play, his the way he knows the offense, the way he throw the ball, just the way he is. And, and um, I think we, we definitely got to still get better. I think, you know what I mean, from my standpoint, learning how he wants things done and, and being on the same page. And like I told everybody, I don't think I'm there yet. I think I'm taking scribes to where I'm going to get there. We got two more weeks, two more games to where I can get better to where the first game I'm literally out there playing and I'm a part of it. I'm knowing every little thing um, that he's telling me to do and what he wants out of me. And um, I think once I get there, I can literally play full speed, not thinking. And honestly, that's when I'm dangerous. Well, I like that. And by the way, I think he has the eye of Aaron Rodgers because when Rodgers was asked about you know who he trusts in that wide receiver room, he did name one Sammy Watkins alongside yep. what Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard. Sounded very soft-spoken. I've never heard him really talk too much in pressers. Who is Sammy? Yes. Hey, I'll I tell you, Roddy, he's, um, he's very humble. He's very approachable. He's a really nice guy. Uh, he's, he's not a Clemson, you know, big name in the NFL kind of guy, man. He's... He, he comes in, you know, with his hat in his hands so far here in Green Bay. Very likable that way. Heck, there's sometimes where you, I'm, I'm wondering if the guy's confidence is an issue for his coaches. Seriously, because he's I think he's been beat up so many times and, yeah. and felt frustrated about losing seasons because of injuries. You know, that he's a little, he, he, that's why he started camp. Oh, my God, I think I tweaked my hamstring after I was on the plane too long. And they, okay, so they... Let him shut down for about the first week and a half of camp, just to make sure that he didn't have a problem there. Huh. But then you turn to Rodgers, you know, and this—I mean, this was a this was a game changer when Sunday morning they came out and they said, "Okay, we we're now going to clear Elton Jenkins for the offensive line. Uh, we're going to clear Robert Tunyon at tight end." And by the way, even though Tunyon's been out with his ACL, he hasn't had to worry about his job, man. Because like Josiah DeGuara, he had some drops <laughs> yesterday and. Rogers looking at him like you know really or he missed a block yeah. he missed a block uh, so no one's really emerged as you know is a good catching tight end in this camp but and then you got Christian Watson coming back to add someone there in, in the receivers so uh, but you know you're talking to Rogers about um, you know as you head into the Saints game there's you know the level of uncertainty as to what they're going to have on the roster offense. 
You know, obviously there's there's jobs that are open. There's offensive line jobs that are open, and you know, third running back spot. There's obviously the you know four down in the receiver spot for guys to to get opportunities. There's special teams jobs to be won. I think you know, 15. I felt like especially after Jordy Torres ACL, there was definitely some uncertainty, and we had uncertainty going into the line that camp, uh, as I remember. And and James Jones joined us late in the season, so or late in preseason, you know, right at the beginning of the regular season, so. There's always there's always question marks. I wouldn't say this year more than any other year, but I felt like there were a couple things that really did happen today that we saw. Sammy, I thought, had his best practice. You know, he was making plays. He's a gamer, one of those veterans that we've had here over the years where, you know, there's some times where you're not seeing a bunch of flash plays, and then what happens, we bring another team out here, and he makes, you know, three or four plays out there and has his best practice at camp. So really happy for Sammy. Your thoughts on Bobby and Christian coming back this week? Yeah, it's exciting, very exciting. It's just we're watching a, a walkthrough rep, and I'm watching 74, and it's just it's just different. You know, he has such a great feel, and it's wild because he started left guard for us, both tackle spots, center. The guy is a really special player. It's nice to have him back. Christian, you know, it's easy to be a work in progress. It's good to see him out there. Good to get him through the walkthroughs. I told him, you know, I'm going to be testing him every single day, you know, in, in the reps that he's in there to try and get him thinking about the right stuff when he's out there. And then Bobby, you know, Bobby's itching to go. So it's it's encouraging because what do we got, four weeks till uh, first game or so? And I think all of them might have a legit opportunity to play. Man, a lot of things to unpack there from Aaron Rodgers, Mike. Uh, as they have these joint practices with the New Orleans Saints, <clears throat> excuse me, and obviously with the game coming up uh, tomorrow night, are they kind of, as Rodgers suggested, itching to get out there? Are they itching to actually get you know into the second preseason game against the Saints and like stop seeing the same people every week? Because I don't think there's been a fight yet in camp, has there? No. Oh, actually, we had two yesterday. Oh! Yeah, we had two yesterday. Um, yeah, it's getting a little hot out there. You know, so Dennis Allen is coming in. Jameis Winston yesterday put on his helmet, but he's still just kind of walking around with a limp with a foot sprain he suffered in the New Orleans camp. So Andy Dalton is out there running the ones. They got Michael Thomas back after a long year saga of his ankle surgery. Now, Alvin Kamara, they, maybe he won't be suspended. They're still waiting for that. They got a couple of other speedy backs in the running back that can back them up. Their number two quarterback, 16, I think his name was Ian Book out of Notre Dame. At first, I thought he had pretty good command of the huddle, but he overthrew a couple of third-string receivers twice that were wide open down the sideline. So, you know, the, the Saints are trying to work out their bugs. But yeah, yesterday um, it gets. There was one point where Jarvis Landry, you know, who's always kind of had a bit of an attitude, he's going up against Stokes, and Stokes is in his Eric Stokes is in his face. So that starts a big, you know, camp fight, yeah. pushing, shoving, name calling. Uh, all that. So Dennis Allen comes out uh, after practice and talked about, you know, how do you think these two days went and the Jarvis Landry fight with Eric Stokes? Yeah, I thought, um, again, a lot of good work today. It's a little hotter today than it was yesterday. You know, we got a little light on the offensive line. They, they got a really good front, and so it led to some, some challenges in terms of protection. But I thought our guys fought. I thought our guys battled through. That's, look, second day, you know. You know, everybody goes in, they get coached up a little bit, and so they come out with a little bit more fire the next day. You don't like seeing it, but it's part of what happens in these practices when you're going against another team. So we dealt with it, we moved on from it, and um, I thought I thought we had a couple of good days of work. Was Jarvis leading practice related to that? Yeah. Ooh, getting a little spicy out there then, Mike. I never understood the guy who uh, punches another guy with a helmet on. That's the one that always made me confused about these fights. That's what's so silly about Cam. <laughs> camp fights, but you know, well, it, 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 but the thing is, you've got these guys yelling at each other, and now they, you know, they know that they're going to face each other in a game. And you know, purely from a football standpoint, that makes, especially for a rookie trying to make the team, that's great because now you, okay, that guy's pretty fast. I better back up another step on this play. You know, you've seen these guys now for the last two days, get a feel for it on defense. Uh, that Kingsley and Ekbari. Uh, they call, his nickname is JJ. He's had a couple, four or five days together now, where all of a sudden the light's gone on. He's getting maybe two or three sacks per practice in the 11-on-11. So he's he's starting to flash. Samori Torrey, the kid out of Nebraska, seventh-round pick, had a good day at wide receiver. They made a change at wide receiver. Malik Taylor, he's the guy that beat out Jake Kumaro in camp like three years ago. He's been struggling with a shoulder injury. They waived him yesterday, and they bring back Travis Fulgham, that's a guy who was in camp like 10 days, 
And then I'm watching a Sunday night football game. It's Eagles against the 49ers. And here's this splash play from Carson Wentz throwing a deep ball down the right side toward the end of the game. And this Travis Fulgham, I go, why is that name so familiar? And so I start looking through it. Oh, my God, this guy was in camp with the Packers. Oh, yeah. You know, and he ended up having like four touchdowns that year and led the Eagles in yardage. And it's like, well, you know, you're complaining about, you know, you've got an inexperienced wide receiver group then. You know, here's a guy that you let get through. But, you know, he ended up flashing out. He had spent some time with the Broncos. So they're giving him a second look today in practice. Oh, there was one other great moment. Zach Bond, the former Badger linebacker, the kid from Milwaukee, he was talking about it's good to be back in the state. And he said, yeah, you know, you guys should try cheese curds. So so yesterday, Sarah from the Packers PR staff, in the middle of uh, Dennis Allen, the head coach's press conference, she brought in a big tray of hot steaming cheese curds. And she she handed it up to the coach while he's in the middle of his press conference. Here's how, here's how that went. I know what this is. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try I'm going to try one. <laughs> Uh, not bad. I'm going to share with you guys. All right. You can finish. I'm trying to watch my figure a little bit. Appreciate it. Thank you. Then he starts choking a little bit. <laughs> well, they don't go down real easy. I'm going to chew them, dude. <laughs> awesome. Um, appreciate that. Um, Mike, were they fried cheese curds or were they just? Fried cheese curds. Okay, good. Good. Yeah, hot fried cheese curds. Were they from somewhere? Do you know? Well, obviously they're from somewhere, but do you know where they're from? Yeah, the, you know, the famous drive-thru. Oh, okay. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And Big tray of those. Did you have any, Mike? No, no, no. No, I, no, no. I, Yeah. You know, it's like You're watching your figure, too, like Dennis Allen. French onion soup with all that cheese. You know? <laughs> like you're trying to choke them. Oh, well, Mike, with your cheese curd, do you prefer it just straight-up cheese curd? Do you like to dip it in ketchup, ranch? What does Mike uh, Clemens do? Just straight just straight, homie. That's fine. Maybe a little to catch up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mike, I love you, man. Mike, awesome stuff. Going to follow along, too, on the Bill Michael Show, Grant Show, as well as uh, Mike Clemens NFL on Twitter. Always good stuff, Mike. And you know what? Go enjoy yourself some cheese curds on the house, okay? Uh, you know, they sound good right about now, don't they? Mm, cheese curds for breakfast? Man, am I hungry. Thank you, boy. See you, Mike. See you, buddy. <laughs> there he is, Mike Clemens. Good stuff.